Let's talk audition strategies. You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The Voice Sam Player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voicesam.com slash markscott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, visit voicesam.com slash markscott. The Veopreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original Everyday Veopreneur. Hello and welcome to the Everyday Veopreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. I'm Mark Scott, the original Everyday Veopreneur, back with more actionable, practical advice to help you grow your voiceover business. Just before we get into this week's episode, if you are enjoying the podcast, would you do me a favor and take a minute to leave a five-star review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts? It helps other people to find the podcast, and it's nice to know that you're enjoying what you are hearing. So thank you so much for taking a minute to leave that review. So here's the deal. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be doing what I call the online casting site series. I'm going to be interviewing a number of CEOs from some of the top online casting sites and trying to get a better understanding of those sites, how they work, and how we can do a little bit better on those sites. But part of what goes into that is your ability to successfully audition. If you are going to make those sites work for you, you have to be great at auditioning. It's a big part of what we do. And that's why in this episode, I'm bringing in somebody who is an expert on the subject of auditions to help you come up with some new strategies and techniques you can use to find even greater success when you're submitting on those online casting sites. A big part of the job for voice actors is auditioning. The more auditions you get access to, the easier it will be to grow your business. But if you don't know how to audition well, you could actually end up working against yourself. My guest today is someone who doesn't only audition a ton, but also books a ton. She's recorded over a thousand commercials, over a hundred audiobooks, as well as documentaries, e-learning, video games, and all points in between. Welcome to the show, Karen Gilfrey. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Now, I'm so this, excited to be here. This is actually your second time, technically, because we, we had a really great story from you in an early episode of the podcast that involved a, a closet in New York City. <gasps> oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I that mean, was, I didn't forget about the incident, but I forgot that it was on the show. That was a classic story. So I will link to that in the show notes for anybody who wants to go back and revisit that. It's it's definitely a, an episode that is worth uh, revisiting and a, and a story that is is worth hearing if you've never heard it before. So let's talk auditioning. Yes. To start. My favorite subject. So you're Not at the really, grocery but... store. You're buying milk because your kids want cereal for breakfast. You inadvertently choose the checkout line with the rookie cashier and the extreme couponer. And as you're standing in line waiting to buy your milk, your phone dings half a dozen times, each with another notification from another online casting site. And the longer that this goes on, the more anxious that you get because this milk purchase is now potentially costing you thousands of dollars in opportunities because you know by the time you get home, all of those auditions will either have 100 submissions or they'll be closed out. And you vow to never leave the house for milk again. <laughs> I call this the pay-to-play mentality, and it's real. And it is legitimately one of the reasons why I stopped using the sites, because it was totally messing with my brain. How do you overcome this? Or, or, or can you overcome this? What, what is your strategy for those moments? Because you know that, it, that that's the way a lot of voice actors feel. Yeah, I love this scenario. So I think that it is very important to be objective about um, about your auditioning and to have a pretty good work-life balance when it comes to your notifications, et cetera, et cetera. My philosophy has always been, if I'm there and the audition pops up, I'm going to do it. If I'm out of the house, if I'm away, there are always going to be 50,000 more auditions tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So don't don't put so much weight on auditioning 
you know, immediately right there at that at that second that it comes in that you can't live the rest of your life. You know, sometimes you're, it's not buying milk. You're in a session. Yep. And you can't you're in a three hour session or a four hour session and you just can't get to it in time. And and you just have to kind of let it go. So uh, when I do presentations, I do a little uh, gif of Elsa saying, let it go. <laughs> well, because and that goes for auditions after you submit them too. you do your best. You do the best job that you can in the time that you can, and then you let it go and you don't think about it. Because you will see, I've seen stories and pictures and, and whatnot on social media, voice actors who are literally like sitting in their car with a clip-on microphone recording into their phone to get an audition submitted because they don't want to miss it. And I'm like, I understand you don't want to miss it, but what kind of impression are you making by exactly. submitting an audition you recorded in well, your car on your phone? Like Exactly. So especially on online casting sites too, they are auditioning both you and your home studio. Yeah. So it's because 99.999% of the time, especially during, you know, post-COVID days, all of these jobs record from home. So they want to know what your actual setup sounds like at home. I have actually stopped bringing my travel equipment with me when I go away for a weekend. If I'm going to be gone for for like a week or more, which doesn't happen hardly ever, but if I'm going to be gone for a long time, I bring a travel setup with me and I let everyone know that I have my travel setup. But I actually don't even audition if I'm gone for a weekend because it's not it, it doesn't help me. And now that I'm doing a lot of high level work with like big national brands and things like that, um, my clients really need professional, perfect sounding audio. And I can't really get that in a hotel. So if I have a session that needs to be booked, I just book out a real studio. Yep. Um, and that that's worth it to me versus, you know, trying to make something work in my hotel room, which is not going to sound as good. I think there really is a psychological component to this as well, where if you feel like you have to be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that creates an, an incredible pressure. Whether you yeah. realize it or not, it creates an incredible pressure that ultimately, I think, affects the, uh, the the quality of your auditions anyway because if you get in the booth and you're all stressed out because you're constantly just thinking about having to be on yeah you can't even take a weekend to go and whatever go to a theme park with your kids or something like that's a symptom of a bigger problem I think yeah I agree and and I I you know I'll raise my hand as like a person who thrives on work <laughs> yep. I wouldn't yep. call myself a workaholic but I definitely feel better overall in my life when I'm busy. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a legitimate way for people to feel. And when I started in voiceover, you know, I, like I was trying as best I could to get as much work as I possibly could. And, you know, there were I was really struggling in the beginning, as we all do, because you just haven't built your client base. You haven't really built up your business yet. But now that I am more established and I have like a really good, great stable of repeat clients and I'm getting work from my agents and I'm getting work from online casting sites and all of that, I feel like I can relax a lot more and really make work hours for myself. Yeah. So I have established work hours and I really don't work on the weekend unless it's a unless it's an emergency. But it took me a while to get there. Yep. Um, and it's really you have to find the balance that works best for you. So. I'm in that same place too. I mean, I, I worked I, when I before I was married and and I had my kids. I mean, I all I did was work because I literally had nothing else to do. Like I yeah. had no life, no friends, no nothing. I just I worked, I worked, I worked, I worked, I worked. And I don't want to make light of this this whole psychology that goes into this. You know, with this whole milk scenario. But admittedly, for me, like my family invites me over for the day, and you know, I'm spending a a, a family a, a day with family. And we're, you know, having a big family dinner or something like that. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to enjoy the conversations while simultaneously seeing all of these auditions coming in and like, oh, yeah. that one would have been perfect. That one would have been perfect. Right. And it does start to mess with your head. So you do have to have strategies to kind of, you know, let yourself turn it off, give yourself permission to take time off. I mean, look, nobody expects us to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You shouldn't have to. But one of the things that I, I think that you can do, and I, I want to get your take on this, because if you're on several casting sites, mm -hmm. 
you can literally see 50 auditions in a day. Like that is possible if yeah, you're on enough sure. of these sites. So to keep yourself from getting overwhelmed and to try to keep it a little bit more manageable so that you don't make yourself crazy, what kind of strategies are you employing on some of these sites to, I, I guess, maybe limit the auditions that you're seeing? Yeah. So first of all, I have my budget limit set. My budget minimum, sorry. I have my budget minimum set. So I know that I don't want to see jobs that pay $50 personally. Um, there are people who do, and that is that is your prerogative. And if you're just starting in voiceover especially, I think there are great jobs to kind of mm -hmm. get that professional experience and get your feet wet. And depending what it is, that might even be close to the industry standard rate. But I don't want to see those jobs. So I set my budget minimums on all of the casting sites to $500. So anything that's below $500, I don't even see. And that's, for me, I started at $250, and then I moved it up to $300, and then I moved it up to $350, and now I'm at $500. Mm -hmm. And so I only see jobs that pay more than that. So that greatly limits the number of auditions that I see per day. For me, also, I have a lot of agents and managers and so I get auditions from them all day long, and those auditions are always my priority over the online casting site auditions. I also don't have, um, I don't get email pop-up notifications on my phone. I turned that off years ago, and I check my email throughout the day, and if I see auditions from online casting sites, my brain tends to file them into not as important as the rest of the work emails that I have coming in throughout yep. the day. I also, you know, my agent auditions take priority. And then after that, I see if there are any online casting auditions that are worth my time and fit me well. And I do those. If the audition is asking for an authentic nine-year-old child, can I do a nine-year-old child voice? Sure. Is it authentic? No. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that one. <laughs> I think that's probably one of the biggest ones is just really being realistic about what you're actually capable of. Yes. And and I, I think that's not just specifically age ranges, but I think that has to do with specific types of direction. You know, not Absolutely. everybody can be Sam Elliott, for example. Exactly. And also genres, right? I mean, I think particularly when you're starting out, you want exposure to everything, but the reality is you probably can't do everything. And yeah. so then you just become... I guess that's when you get yourself caught in a rut where you're submitting a lot of auditions that you probably realistically don't have a chance to book. Right. And then because you're submitting so many auditions and not booking, you start to doubt yourself and your ability. Whereas if you were, re were being a little bit more selective, your audition to booking ratio would potentially go much higher. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, um, Christian Lance said at a past vocation conference that we did, he was on our Working Pros panel, and he said, you have to follow your dreams, not push your dreams down a preconceived path. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Which I absolutely love because I got into voiceover because I wanted to be a Disney princess, yeah. as so many people in their 30s did <laughs> because <laughs> we love Disney princesses. But, you know, I realized pretty early on that I was not booking any animation and most of the women who book animation have higher sounding voices and I have a lower, warmer sounding voice. So, you know, even though even though I, I can speak with a lot of energy and do the things that might, you know, work in animation, I don't have a voice that necessarily lends itself well to animation. I found out that my voice is very well suited for commercials and for instructional videos. I have a, like a I love uh, medical text and, and weird words because I'm an opera singer. And so weird words come pretty naturally to me. Mm -hmm. So I found that I can do medical narration pretty well. Um, I, but there are just certain things that I'm not great at, like animation. Yep. And uh, so now when I see animation auditions come in, I tend to I tend to file those kind of at the bottom in my mind. And the ones that are commercials that are really good that I know that I, I will do well in those I do first. I think part of this comes from working with a really good coach as well, because if you're working with the right coach, they should be giving you some sort of indication of, I think this is where you you should focus or, you know what, you're not ready for this genre yet, but you can do this genre. Like they can give you a little bit of guidance there. And I guess what demos you have makes a big difference in what you're going to audition for as well. 
Yeah, I mean, the demos on online casting sites are literally like an algorithmic tool to match you to the jobs that are posted. So that's the one thing that I tell people, if you want to work in, in specific genres in voiceover, you must have at least a sample that is tagged in that genre right. so that you will match when the job is posted according to the algorithm to that job. So that doesn't mean that you have to make like 13 fully produced $1,800 demos right out the gate. Right. You, you don't you don't have to do that. You can you can say like, you know, I really think that I want to work in uh, radio imaging or something. Let me just do a really quick like station identification sample, mm -hmm. like just 15 seconds just to put it up on, you know, an online casting site so that I match to that job when it comes in. Then when you see like, oh, my gosh, I really love this work. I'm going to go and make a really fantastic radio imaging demo with a demo producer who's really good at making radio imaging demos. So that's a way that people can kind of save on dip, cost as yeah, well. Yeah, dip your toe in rather than breaking the budget out of the yeah, gate you, on you everything. Yeah, you grow as you go and yeah. you do what you can with what you have. Yep, absolutely. The best job you can with what you have. Yep. <laughs> Auditioning is obviously a big part of what we do as voice actors. The more audition opportunities that we have, the more chances we've got to book voiceovers. The more voiceovers that we book, the more money that we're going to make. So what do we want to do? We want to get more voiceover auditions. How do we get more voiceover auditions? Well, the answer isn't just to sign up for more casting sites or to just go out and get more agents. We also need to learn how to market. When you learn how to market your voiceover business, you open yourself up to a whole new world of audition opportunities because you are going to have clients that are going to be sending you auditions on a regular basis. The more clients, the more rosters that you're on, the more auditions you're going to see. How do you get on those rosters? How do you go out there and find those clients? How do you open yourself up to get even more audition opportunities? You've got to learn how to market. And that's where Voiceover Marketing Playbook comes in. VoiceOver Marketing Playbook is out now through September 15th, 2022. This is the complete program that you need to learn how to find your own voiceover leads, build your own client base, and become the consistently working voice actor that you want to be. You can find all the details on the course at voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. Remember, it is only available until September 15th, 2022. And the details are at voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. Now, back to our show. All right, so we're, we're auditioning. We're on the sites. We've, we've narrowed our focus down a little bit. We've determined maybe we've set budget minimums. You know, we've chosen genres and, and all of that sort of stuff. Now, I, I've talked to voice actors who are literally cranking out, and particularly on online casting sites, they're cranking out auditions every five minutes. And I've spoke with voice actors who are spending half an hour or more submitting the, you know, quote unquote, perfect audition. What is your strategy for efficiency while still making sure that you're submitting quality? Great. That is a great question. Well, obviously, you know, just logically, when you're first starting in voiceover, everything's going to take you a little bit longer than somebody who's been doing it for a long time. That said, when you audition in person, so it used to be back in the day, BC. <laughs> I remember those Before days. Before COVID. <laughs> um, we used to go to auditions in person, in New York, at least. And, you know, literally you would walk in, you would not see the script at all. Sometimes it's like a secret. So you won't see, you wouldn't see the script until you walked into the recording studio and it, the script was on the music stand in front of you. Yep. And you put on your headphones, you take a quick look at it. The, the director gives you a little bit of direction like, hey, make it friendly and conversational. And you're like, great, I've never heard that before. But <laughs> so What's your so definition then, <laughs> of conversational while I right, try to do exactly. that? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So so you literally cold read the script. They're like, that's great. Can you do it again? But this time with more of a smile. And you're like, great. You read it again. And they're like, thank you so much. And then you walk out. Yep. Every single person does that. The entire process takes less than seven minutes. Yep. And you're done. When I saw how fast in-person auditions with real professional casting directors went, I said to myself, why am I spending 
you know, many, many minutes agonizing over, oh, should I make this have an upward inflection or a downward inflection? It doesn't matter. Literally, the clients are listening at first to the first like three seconds of your audition. No joke. Three seconds, maybe 10 seconds. And then they move on to the next person because the first thing they're listening for is, do I like the sound of this person's voice and does it fit with what I have in my mind? Yep. After that, they might say, okay, these five people are my favorites. Let's listen to their entire audition. And even so, they might only listen to the first like 10 to 15 seconds until they've narrowed it down to two people. And then they're like, all right, let's listen to their first take. Let's listen to their second take. Let's choose the person that we want. You do not need to spend 30 minutes on one audition. I typically spend two to five minutes per audition, depending on what the script says. And I do it exactly as I would if it were an in-person audition. I read the directions. I read the specs. I skim the copy. I cold read a first take. Often that's like the take that I love. And then I do a second take, maybe. And then I send it off. I think it's really important for people to hear that side of it, because I know that this is an area where people overthink. When I hear, you know, when I I, a voice actors coaching with me and they're like, I did 13 different versions. I'm like, okay, by the time you're at 13, it's too late. Like, go back and submit them the second one you recorded and, and, you know, be done with it. But I think we assume that we have to deliver perfection on the script. And I don't think that's the way it works, because like you said, more than anything, they're listening. Is this the voice that I'm hearing inside of my head? Mm -hmm. And if they want to book you for the job and they decide to do a directed session with you, that's when you iron out all the kinks and you, you perfect the script, right? That doesn't mean you can just go in and wing it, right? But you can't, you, like you said, you can't spend 30 minutes on these things or you're never going to get enough of them done in a day to, to move yourself forward. So just really, it's just about not overthinking the whole process, right? And trusting yourself, really, yeah. because you are the only person with your exact voice print. You are the only person who's going to interpret the text exactly the way that you interpret it. You know, it's and you don't you really don't have to overthink it. If they like you, they'll hire you. If they don't like you, they won't hire you. The thing that you should spend a lot of time perfecting and making sound amazing is your home studio. Yes. <laughs> More than anything else, because the reads and and yes absolutely go to classes work with a coach um do lots of different kinds of auditions so that you get the practice of just recording yourself but your home studio is really 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 important especially in a post covid voiceover world where everyone and everything records from home 100% you know the other thing that i think about sometimes is I have to remind myself how completely subjective all of this is, because I'm sure you've been here, too, where a job has come in, you've auditioned and you know you nailed it like you just know you nailed it like this script was written for me. These specs describe me to a T. This is my job. You've already started thinking in your head about what you're going to do with the money when you cash the check and then you don't book it and then you hear the spot later on and you're like. What the heck? That's what they yeah. went for? That's Exactly. That that's nothing like what they were asking. Yes. And that is like that happens to all of us, which is just another reminder that it's all so subjective. We're never really truly going to understand what they're hearing in their head or or what they're asking for when they're direct with their directions, which is why I mean we've also seen audition scripts with 37 different descriptors all of which are conflicting with one another. Yeah. Because they don't know no, Lots of know. times, right? They're like, <laughs> we'll know it when we hear it. Right. And or so they're like, we want we want a voice with texture, but nothing weird and out of the ordinary, but definitely something unique. Yes. You're like, what? Yeah. What does that even mean? <laughs> doesn't make any sense. And so you could sit there and spend half an hour recording 37 takes. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're not doing yourself any favors. So just don't overthink it. The best thing to do is to just be the best version of yourself. Yep. Don't. And the other thing that I, when I coach people, the, the other thing that I notice a lot is that people try to sound like voice actors. They try to sound like what they think that, you know, the, the, uh, the director would want to hear if, it, because it says voice, voiceover, voice actor. And that's really the wrong way to think about it. Yes, absolutely. Study commercials, study animation, watch all of the things that you want to book Mm -hmm. so that you know what the current trends are and you understand the style of the genre that you're trying to work in. 
But then be the best version of you. Yep. Don't try to put on a fake voice for your voiceover role. <laughs> so what about one take, two takes, three takes? How many do we submit? How do we decide? Is there a strategy for multiple takes? What, what approach do you take to that? Uh, for me, anything that is like 30 seconds or less, I typically send two takes. If it's a minute, I typically do one, a minute or longer, unless they ask for more than one take. And then I usually do two takes, but I'm annoyed about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know you nailed it on the first one. So it's like, no. why are you wasting my time? No, it's like, no, it's not that I know I nailed it. It's just that I know they're not going to listen to it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know? Because they've like, got 100 or 500 have... other submissions yeah, coming like, in. I and... know you're going to listen to the first 10 seconds of this, and then you're going to decide who you want to book. You don't need yep. two full takes of a two-minute script. Like, you're just wasting my time. But all right, I'll do it, and I will do it with a smile. <laughs> I have heard voice actors who have said that one of their strategies occasionally on two two takes is they do the first one exactly how, you know, whatever the directions asked for, what they their interpretation of the directions. And then they do the second one that's kind of so out there that it actually makes the first one sound even better than if you had just submitted on your own. Is have oh, you ever, that's funny. Do you, you ever think about something like that? You know, what I do since I'm a musician is I try to imagine two different music tracks playing underneath each of my takes. I like that. So I'll do one that's like, you know, like an upbeat, happy music track playing underneath and I'll I'll deliver the read like that. And so it's just like this. And then I'll do one that, you know, I imagine like a kind of warm bed of music and strings or something or plinky piano music. And then I do one that's kind of like this and it's a little more chill, but it's still happy because it's like a nice, warm, warm music bed underneath. Um, and that tends to just, you know, tweak the read slightly so that it's yeah. not so out there that it's completely not what the specs say, but it's like an, it's different enough. Or if I have no idea what to do, I do the second take faster than the first. <laughs> <laughs> because especially in commercials, that's speed is always a plus. So I do one at kind of my normal speaking, you know, yep. uh, tempo. And then the second one I'll do just a couple clicks faster on the metronome and that gives a little more energy and, a, and kind of a different read because we've never seen 37 seconds of copy that needs to fit in a 22 second read yeah right room for the, the tag on the end or something right <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i really like actually the tip for imagining a different music bed that's really smart because that's actually something that i will ask clients for occasionally when they're asking me for an audition i'm like hey do you yeah. have a music track in mind because that music track sometimes makes all the difference in the world for how you, you ultimately end up recording. And so I think oh, that's yeah. a really, really good tip. The music is the subtext of what's going on. Yeah. So like if, you know, if I say, good morning, how are you? And there's like a da 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 And I say, good morning, how are you? That's a very different feeling from good morning, how are you? And it's da da yep. da 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 You know, like. Yep. It's totally different, even though I said it exactly the same way. The music is your subtext. So if you have the opportunity to hear the music before you record it, either in the job or in the audition, take that opportunity because it will inform your read a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So agent auditions, slate or no slate, is whatever the agent asks for. Yeah, I say default slate. If they, uh, but definitely read through what they're asking for. And if they say no slate, then do not slate. So what about when you're doing online casting where it's almost never specified? Are you slating yeah. at all or no? Online casting, default, no slate. Okay. Because, you know, like I said before, so first of all, the way that the site is laid out, everyone, if you're on an online casting site and you have the opportunity to look at it from the client side, please do. Because it it really, really will teach you a lot about how to use that online casting site effectively. And each one of them is slightly different. But in general, for online casting sites, uh, your name is right next to your MP3. So and they literally it's like your first name and they just click a play button that's right un underneath. Yep. So they see your name right there and they're listening to sometimes like 100 auditions. They want to be able to hear... Every day, we make the world a better place. Every day, we make the world a better place. Every day, we make the world a better place. Jane Doe. 
every day, you know, like already I'm annoyed with Jane Doe. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> because I'm it's interrupting my workflow of listening to all these auditions. So don't don't slate for online casting uh, unless it's specified that you do, which it, I've it almost I never is. I was going to say, I don't know that I've ever seen yeah. it. But. but for agent auditions, because you have no idea the way that the um, uh, casting director or, or end client is going to be listening to those auditions, you don't know if it's going to be in a Dropbox folder with your name or you don't know if they're going to be listening to it in a room with five other people sitting there and they're just listening and they have nothing in front of them. You don't know if all of the auditions are going to be thrown into one email, yep. you know, yep. <laughs> like so definitely. And and your file name could get messed up like it's just not as streamlined as an online casting site where all the auditions are in one place. So default slate, always slate unless they ask you not to. Yep. All right. Now, I, I think you kind of answered this one earlier when we were talking a little bit about how you used to audition in person and you've, you've translated that into doing online auditions. But I'm just curious how much, if any, script analysis you're putting into these casting sites when you know that a clock is ticking because there's literally 100 other people submitting at the same time. And if you don't get in first, you're last and, and that whole thing. Are you just kind of cold reading and whatever comes out comes out or or is there, you know, do you do a dry read and then record the second take or how are you approaching it from that standpoint? I almost always cold read, okay. but I will I will uh, add a little footnote on that <laughs> and say that that is the process that works for me. Yes, that okay. is not necessarily the process that works for everyone and each individual person has to find the way that is most efficient and feels best to them so don't like you don't need to do exactly what mark scott does you don't need to do exactly what karen guilfrey does you need to do exactly what feels good to you so if you really resonate with like taking your script doing a quick once over marking it up recording, a, you know, doing one practice take and then recording, and that's the process that feels best to you and gives you the best outcome, absolutely do that. For me, I feel like I give my best reads when it's when it's spontaneous. Before you've so had time to I overthink do, it. Before I've had time to overthink it. Yeah. So if I do a lot of analysis, I find myself second guessing myself as I'm reading through it. Obviously, if I make a mistake or if if it if it's just like not right or I, I understand the joke of the commercial in the middle of the commercial, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to stop and go back to yep. the beginning. Yep. Often my second take is better than my first. And so I put the second take first and the first take second. But I typically don't analyze. I don't mark up my scripts. I don't print out my scripts. That would be extremely expensive ink and paper. Yes. <laughs> trying to save the environment That's and right. our pocketbooks here. Um, so I typically just open it up, read the read the specs, skim the text, and then just hit record and and cold read a first take, and then do a second take, and then I'm done. I think there's a comfort level that comes with experience too, right? After Absolutely. you've done a certain number of auditions, you start to get into a groove. You start to be able to recognize key points from the script. And and I think that comes after some coaching too, right? Where coaches will tell you to look for this or that, you know, make sure you hit the brand yeah. name, all that sort of stuff. And so, you... and also like, we're just like, when was the last time any of us read out loud if you're not a voice actor? Like when, like in eighth, in, in like 12th grade, if you're reading to the class, like yep. <laughs> when is the last time you really read something out loud? Maybe if you read to your kids, but you know, a lot of people don't have practice reading out loud. So you, you have to, you have to practice that in order to get good at it. Now, you know, almost 10 years in, I, you can put anything in front of me and I can read it without mistakes, you know, probably 95% yep. of the time. Yep. But it took almost a decade to get there. So. Yep. Yeah, I had to do a lot of e-learning before I finally got to that point where I was like, I can just sit down and kind of read through this and, you know, minimal mistakes on a 5,000 yeah. word script. And it kind of feels good. Just, yeah. Especially considering how much I stunk in the beginning. Right. So it's nice right? to know that I got but better. Isn't that time. wonderful? Yes. We all were terrible in the beginning. It's, it's a really good measuring stick for your improvement. I think the, yes. the number of edits that you ultimately end up making and you get to see how much better you've gotten with your reading over time. Yes. It, it, forget reading out loud, just reading in general. Right. I mean, how how many people even for me, I'll rather sit down and read a book than watch Netflix, but I know that I'm probably in the minority. So 
for a lot of people, this might be the only reading they do is when they go into the booth and, and record their auditions. So Yeah, I am I am like a 100% auditory learner. Mm-hmm. I am not good. I, I do not enjoy reading. Yep. I do like reading out loud, uh, but I don't enjoy reading for, for fun. Yeah. The first book I ever read all the way through was Harry Potter in college. <laughs> Still never read Harry Potter. Never seen the movies either. Don't know anything. Well, then you won't be spoiled when you do decide to finally read it if you (laughs) want to. I'm so out of the loop. So when it comes to online casting sites, I I know that one of the tricky things that that brings in strategy is that a lot of these sites on a lot of these jobs provide budget ranges. And so Mm -hmm. we are left trying to figure out, do I bid low and try to win on price? Do I bid high to offer a perception of value? Am I... Am I doing the Goldilocks thing, you know, quoting just right in the middle or uh, what do we what do we do? What What is the strategy that works or is there a strategy that works? There is actually a lot of information about this. Um, some of the online casting sites have posted blogs and and uh, done statistical analysis of what sells. And it turns out underbidding is not the best way to go. Statistically, according to data, (laughs) underbidding is not the way to go. Bidding middle to high is the way to go. And often, people who bid above the budget get the job. And that is because we as humans have this uh, bias um, where we think premium price equals premium value. Mm So if you if someone is, you know, if the budget range is two hundred fifty to five hundred dollars or something and you bid six hundred dollars and you and your studio sounds great and you deliver a great audition, the client might go, oh, gosh, this person bids six hundred dollars. They must be like a real professional. (laughs) And so they hire you over the person who bid two hundred fifty dollars because it's only a hundred dollars over the the range that they set and they think they're going to get like an absolute pro, um, even though they cost a little bit more. I think it's so important for voice actors to hear that because I know that for a lot of people, particularly newer, the default is to try to win on price and, yeah. and go low, right? And it backfires. Yeah. If they say they have a budget range of 250 to $500... They have a budget range of two hundred fifty to five hundred dollars. Yep. If they had a fixed price, they would have said, "This is our fixed price." Yes. They have the option to do either, so don't don't feel like they don't have it. Also, these companies make, uh, you know, a lot of money. <laughs> often. Often, yes. They <laughs> so do. they, so they they have they have the bud they have the budget they have the budget to be able to to hire a voice actor and do it right, and they're using that budget, you know, in a way that lets you. I don't know. Just bid middle to high. You're, you'll be fine. I think it's really important for people to be reminded of the fact that, look, if, if the if the range is 250 to 500, it's because there is they're willing to see quotes in that range. And like you said, if they were looking for 250 or lower, they would have just set the budget, a fixed rate budget of two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Which some jobs do, but most of them have that range. So trust yourself. Know your worth. Right. Pay attention to fair market value for rates. Absolutely. Because honestly, if if you're if you're only winning clients because of lowball offers, is that really the client base that you want to build your business on anyway? No, you want to work smarter, not harder. Yeah, exactly. So I don't this question might be impossible to answer, but I am curious to hear what your take is. Is there an audition to booking ratio range that we should be? looking for. And and I recognize that certain talent that that ratio is going to be a lot better than other talent. But, you know, mm-hmm. if you've like if I've submitted a thousand auditions and I haven't booked anything, that's probably an indicator of a of a larger problem. But if I'm booking, I don't know, one out of every 30, it's like that's you're doing really well. And yeah. and maybe you don't realize that. So is there kind of a ratio that you that you are aware of or that you kind of pay attention to? That's a really good question. My my initial thought, my initial response was going to be no, there's no ratio. But then you said a thousand auditions and one booking, and that doesn't sound good. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it really depends on who you are, and I think that if you are, so, I would say that probably like the pros book something every 
10 to 30 auditions. Okay. The people who are who are professionals yep. book something every 10 to 30 auditions, which means if you're submitting, you know, 50 auditions a week, you should be booking one or two jobs a week. Yep. From your auditions, not just not just repeat clients. So if you're if you are, you know, not doing that well, it might be time to look into why. Is it because you're auditioning for the wrong kinds of work? Is it because you are not hearing your voice the way that clients are hearing your voice? Is it because your home studio is not great? Yeah. Is it because, you know, you accidentally flipped something on your interface that now is making all your auditions sound bad, but you can't really, you're not listening back, so you yep. don't know. You know, like, I would say if if your, if your audition to booking ratio is like 50 to 100 or more per booking, Take a good look at what might be the problem and do your best to try and take steps to address it. And I think it's important that we actually do look at we, we look internally because I think the default is often to just blame the casting sites. Right. Oh, these stupid sites. There's too many people on them. There's too many people submitting auditions and whatever. And I mean, maybe there's a little bit of a case to be made for something like that because there's a lot of competition. But if you're consistently submitting a lot of auditions that are going nowhere, like you said, it's got to be. You know, maybe it's read based. Maybe it's because you've been trying to bid too low. Maybe it's because your studio is not good. But it is important to take a look inside. Or maybe it's because you're submitting auditions like as the 45th or 50th person who's submitted because your profile is not optimized on the sites, yep. which is another thing. You, you want to optimize your online casting profile in a way that makes you get the auditions before other people do. Because there is really a, uh, I mean, the people who audition first tend to book more often than the people who audition later. Yep. And that can be really frustrating on a site like Voice123, where people seemingly get auditions in the middle of the night and already 50 people have auditioned for it. Well, that's for several reasons. We could literally spend like three hours in a whole class, which I have done at various conferences talking about that. But but um, basically, it could be because you don't have enough stuff on your profile that yep. matches to jobs. Yep. It could be because you don't have enough likes on your profile because you're new or because you uh, just aren't submitting high quality auditions that match you well. And it could be because you're not paying enough for a membership that gets you auditions before other people. Yep. So those are kind of the three things to look at. Um, Although I but, think it's important to note that membership tier, I mean, yes, that's a factor, but... It's also worth noting not all casting sites do have membership tiers, Absolutely. Absolutely. which means that there are things that you can do on your profile, whether it's in the copy that you write, the demos that you post, the way that you label your demos and things of that nature. So there are things that you can do, we'll call it on-page SEO, I guess, that can make a difference without just immediately having to go and pay the whatever the platinum yeah, prices absolutely. of these sites absolutely. right now, thousands and thousands of dollars or whatever. Yes. So. All right. Any other final pro tips that you've got for us from auditioning, trying to get the most out of these online casting sites? So one thing that I think everyone should look into, if you haven't, and just see if you like it, you don't have to do it if you don't like it, mm -hmm. is a recording technique called punch and roll. Yep. It is my favorite, favorite, favorite only way that I record now. Um and basically, in a nutshell, the technique is when you make a mistake, instead of keeping the recording going and repeating the line again and again and again, and then stopping the recording when you're finished and editing everything together into one final take, instead, with punch and roll, when you make a mistake, you stop the recording, you put the playhead back to the last good place, so probably like um, the last time you took a breath or a nice pause um, at a period. So you put the playhead there, you take a breath, you hit record, and you record over the mistake and keep going until you make the next mistake. You stop the recording, go back to the last good place, take a breath, hit record, and record, 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 keep going until you make a mistake again. For me, that saves so much time because at the end of the initial record, I have a fully clean file that yep. doesn't really need editing. Nice. And for me, because I'm a singer, I kind of treat all of my uh, 
reads like music, I tend to take a big breath and then go and go and go and go and go until I have to take a breath again. And I literally stop the recording, take a nice big singer breath, go, 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 go. Of course, taking like little natural breaths if I need to and leaving them in if it if it calls for it. But I I really don't edit after the fact. And that saves so much time on auditions. It saves so much time when I'm actually working on a job. And it means that I can like go make dinner for my kids sooner than I would otherwise. <laughs> this is one of the things where the more that you do it, the more that you will find efficiencies in it. Yes. Right. I like to I like to compare it to driving a stick shift where like at you're first freaking you're a like, lot of people out oh right my now. God. Yeah. No, it's like it's like, oh, what do I do? I hit the clutch and then I slowly let it off and I put it into drive and then, oh, no, it's stalled. Right. Like but then eventually people who, who've been driving stick shifts for a long time it's like totally second nature and when they drive an automatic car they accidentally put their left foot down when they do yep. <laughs> there's nothing there you just get so used to it the other thing is um learn your keyboard shortcuts yeah like 100 yes. percent. learn your keyboard shortcuts instead of using your mouse and a menu to like find record or cut or you know move or whatever just learn yep. the same way that you have keyboard shortcuts in a word processing program you have it in your um, in your DAW, in your recording software. So learn your keyboard shortcuts. If it seems like there's a faster way to do something, there probably is. Yep. Because look, if I know not, I know on, on the casting sites, not everybody necessarily gets the auditions at the same time, but a lot of people get the auditions at the same time. And there's yeah. a reason why the people that are first are consistently submitting first or second or, or fifth or whatever. Right. And part of it is because they found efficiencies, They've figured out ways to get their auditions done and, and online a little bit faster, and, and that makes a big difference. So figuring out some of that sort of stuff certainly helps. Yes, 100%. So there's one more thing we got to talk about because I'm very curious about this. What is, what is Vocation Cancun? Yes! Oh, we're so excited about Vocation Cancun. So first of all, Vocation is a conference that is completely 100% dedicated to just the business side of voiceover. So not performance. You won't see classes where you have like a commercial coach, you know, teaching you how to be more conversational. Um, instead, you will see classes with a, a prominent casting director talking about like how the casting process works behind the scenes or someone who's really great with taxes talking to you about how to maximize your deductions as a small business owner or people talking about contracts or all kinds of like behind the scenes business related stuff. So this year or in 2023, rather, we will be holding vocation in Cancun at an all-inclusive resort. And all-inclusive means food, alcohol, non-alcohol, room service. We're going to have like parties every night. And during the day, over the weekend, we'll have classes with all of the most amazing business pros in the industry. Um, and it's going to be just awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> this is some, like This is really unique. It's it's very unique. And, you know, one thing that you'll learn if you go to a tax deduction class at Vocation <laughs> is that any <laughs> any conference. Oh, here we go. go Here's to, the secret sauce right here. <laughs> it's true. If you go to a conference for professional development and you're going for your business, it, that's that is tax deductible. Yep. So, you know, you we thought one of the most amazing things about voiceover conferences that I absolutely love is the people there. And like just spending time with your colleagues in a fun setting. And so we thought like, wouldn't it be great if the fun setting wasn't just the hotel, but like the whole atmosphere of the place where you are. So Cancun is like amazing. Beaches and pools and taxes. <laughs> and I'm looking at it and, and I'm seeing dates in February and I'm like... Yes. I don't know. Do you want to be in New York or Boston or somewhere in February or do you want to be in Cancun in February? Exactly. Like, you know, that's that's like when I, I my when I did my e-learning demo with Anne Ganguza, I did it in a fe in February. And I was like, do I want to be in Canada in February or do I want to be in L.A. in February? Exactly. Oh, what if I fly to L.A. to record the demo, turn it into a mini vacation and write the whole thing off as a business expense because I'm there to record a demo? 
right? And you were. You were legitimately there to record a demo. I love it. All right. So if somebody wants to find out more about uh, Cancun 2023, what's the website that we got to go to? Yeah, you can go to vocationconference.com and check it out. It's all there, including our awesome speaker lineup and a link to buy tickets and it's all there. All right. I will make sure that that goes in the show notes. And if somebody wants to connect with you, where, where do we go to? You got a website that we can look at or social media? Yeah. My, my website is karingilfrey.com. Okay. Literally car in, like C-A-R-I-N, like car car in the garage. All right. <laughs> karingilfrey.com. And I'm at karingilfrey on all my socials. And you can check out our vocation Facebook group. Um, and, you know, I, I do a lot on Facebook. It's fun. All right. I'll link to all of that stuff in the show notes as well. We'll Karin, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. And I think, you know, we we were approaching this from an online casting angle, but a lot of the tips that you gave are just relevant to auditioning, period, across the board, you know? And and I think one of the biggest ones is just trusting yourself and not overthinking it and, you know, just relax and do the thing that you're supposed to be in the booth doing in the first place. So thank you so much for the for the wisdom and for the tips that you've shared. I know this is going to be helpful to a lot of people. How does it feel to know that you're on a podcast creating more competition for yourself by <laughs> teaching them how to audition better? <laughs> oh my gosh. I just feel like good information is good information. Yeah. And the more that it can be spread, the better off our entire industry will be. Yes. And so I, I am always very generous with like tr- just making sure that everyone is taken care of because I remember when I was starting and it was hard man yep and it's still hard it's in some ways harder so the more that I can support my friends and colleagues the better I feel about everything all around bring on all the competition I love you all there's enough work for all of us I always said when I was starting out there it felt like there was nobody to turn to for advice yeah and now it's the opposite end of the spectrum where there's so many people to turn to for advice but not all of them can be trusted and so now it's it's trying to navigate and figure out who the right people are that give the good information so that you know that you're getting good information. So thank you for your willingness to share. I, I certainly appreciate it. The website, again, is vocationconference.com for Cancun 2023. And I'll throw that in the show notes again if you want to check it out. Thank you, Karin. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. Karin really does offer up a number of great tips in this interview. And I'm really thankful that she took the time to share some of them. Uh, Some of the big takeaways for me, first and foremost, just not overthinking it, which I think is something that we all do. We want to make a great impression. We want to put our best foot forward. Sometimes we just spend too much time trying too hard and we really don't need to. We really shouldn't be doing that. We just need to trust ourselves, trust our training, trust our ability, submit the audition and forget it. I also thought it was really interesting what she had to say on the quoting strategy where so many tend to think that they've got to quote low to book the job, maybe quoting high is what is actually going to book the job. I thought that was a really cool tip as well. Did you enjoy this episode? Did you learn anything from this episode? If you did, could you do me one quick favor? Could you share it in your Instagram stories and let me and Karin know that you are listening and learning? I would really appreciate it. You can tag me at Mark Scott, and you can tag Karin at Karin Gilfrey, and I will put that in the show notes so that you can find that. Thank you so much for doing that. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and I hope you're looking forward to the online casting site series, which starts next week. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday Vopreneur Podcast, available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The VoiceAm player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voiceam.com slash markscott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, visit voiceam.com slash markscott. And scene. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more Vopreneur goodness? Jump online at vopreneur.com.